episode 24 of Digital Digital Get Down. What's up? I am going to do something unprecedented oh in God. the 24 episodes of this. Talk about Taylor Swift? No. We'll get to that later. I'm going to jump right <laughs> the fuck into the book for this week. Oh, boy. Because I just can't. I can't wait any the longer. The wife hates the book. Yes. So, hmm. this week's book was recommended yeah. um, by you. That's a strong word. Um... Let me rephrase that. Not recommended as in you should read this, you'll love it, but saying, I think you'll have a lot to talk about if we (laughs) read this book. And it lived up to that expectation. Yes. It Mm. also probably like took years off my life of how annoyed I was at reading it, but it's called The Ferryman's Institute by something Giggles. Colin Colin G-I-G-L. It's pronounced Geigle, he says. I'm a big follower of his his Twitter account now. Oh, Jesus. So, Colin Giggles over here. (laughs) Um... One of the worst books I've ever read. Yeah, so as I often am, I was deceived by the spiel, you know, the premise, the synopsis. And it's like a decent cover and font and stuff. Yeah, it was a debut author. It had some good reviews on its Amazon page, so I'd had it in kind of my to-read list for a while. Publishers are so hesitant to take on, like, you know, person of color or women's authors mm-hmm. at this point. This book proves why should they should just... Be hesitant to take on white male authors. No offense, honey. <laughs> because this was the whitest, most male gaze book yeah. I have ever read in my whole life. Which is saying something. Yeah. Which is saying something. I wish I had just gone back to my last year's thing of only reading female authors. Because this... I take the blame for this Made one. me... Like, my, made my eyes bleed. Just trying to read it. Okay, so we're going to do this whole segment now. We're doing it now. Okay. I cannot wait any longer. I literally just finished it. Probably ten minutes ago, I skimmed... Skim the ending of yeah. it just to talk about All right, so I guess it. we need to go over the premise just to... You can do that. I can Kind of give people a baseline here. I can't. Here. Go for it. Okay, so the Ferryman Institute is basically the group of... Are they spiritual? Sort of? I don't know. Um, Otherworldly beings who are responsible for when a person dies to transport that person from their kind of like ghost figure into the, into the official a- afterlife with a magic key. Yes. So it's taking the idea and a lot of mythology of, yeah. like, the gatekeeper or, like, the um, the ferryman, I guess, yeah. um, that someone has to transport the souls to the afterlife. They don't just automatically, poof, go on to the next life. Right. And so the book centers around this this character. The most Mary Sue character I have ever... Whatever the male version of whatever, that is, yeah. Just a Mary Sue. Yeah. I don't think there needs to be a male version. Okay. It's Mary Sue. That's fine. He's worse than Bella Swan. What's I'm going to put it out there. Charlie. Charlie, right. Charlie. So Charlie has been around for centuries, is what we're told. He is the best ferryman. Everyone knows him. For Everyone no loves him. He apparently has a perfect record of no moving people over. Which, the way it's described in the book, doesn't sound particularly challenging. He basically just gets some information about the person's life. Which he doesn't do. No. Has someone else do. And then he uses that to say, hey, if you want to be happy in the afterlife, go through this door. And that's pretty much it. I mean, I get why it could be difficult, but also... They make him out to just be inexplicably loved by all, even though he is the worst. 
Yeah, it, his character never adds up from like even the first couple pages because no. you see him early on in the book. He's skipping off from work. He goes off into remote destinations to jerk around with his friend, and yet every time he comes back to his office in this institute, he's just this beloved god of oh my god, he can do no wrong. Although he's constantly doing wrong, always. Um, so, anyways, kind of the central plot takes place when he, you know. Gets a job that seems like just like any other, except when he gets there, it's this. Um, how old is she at that point in the book? Kind of early twenties, I think. Alice. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's this girl who's on the verge of committing suicide, and he gets this note from some mysterious person who tells him he can either save her or continue to be a normal ferryman, and so he jumps in, which is his first, I guess, instance of male heroism and he he prevents the suicide which then kicks off this whole chain of bizarre uh very confusing events that don't follow much logic at all no nothing makes any sense uh, i'm just gonna stop you there for a second sure. i'm just gonna give an example okay of the ridiculousness of this book I'm going to do a dramatic reading a of reading. page 32 okay. of him describing himself, <laughs> just so you can see like how much of a Bella Swan he is, but worse. An inch shy of six feet tall, Charlie Dawson possessed a casual strain of good looks that bordered on ruggedly handsome, trim but fit build, baked in layer of stubble and inquisitive eyes. He was no lady killer, but he caught the eye when he entered the room. Yet the silver tie wasn't the only new adornment fastened around Charlie's neck as he re-entered his main office space. He could feel the albatross strung around his neck like a physical thing, forged of heavy guilt and ponderous regrets. Yeah, it's just not good writing. Goes downhill from there. Yeah. It goes downhill from there. There, there is an actual phrase in this book of shit cake that takes the shit cake. Huh. Like that takes the cake, but oh, that yeah, takes the, the shit cake. Oh yeah, the attempts at humor are, are bad. Really disgusting. Bad. Like not even, not even like. Oh, I could see why that might be funny. Bad. Like, just having you read that bit out loud, like, it it needed, it was dying to be a first-person book. Yes. One of my biggest complaints. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. One of my, okay, there's many complaints. One of my biggest complaints, I have a lot of complaints, but one of my biggest ones is the perspective, like you just said. Yeah. Um, there are multiple point of view shifts in the book. Right. But there is no discernible shift between the voice. No. And that's what irked me the most is that part of it is from the perspective of the female character, Alice. Mm -hmm. And her narrative is so obviously written by a male wanting to make like a female fantasy. Yeah. Like Manic Pixie Dream Girl kind of thing. Right. That it, it's painful to read. Yeah. The way that the female character thinks about the male character, it's like he's, this this author has never met a, a human woman in his entire not. life. Potentially, yeah. Like I just, it didn't make any sense. It was painful to read. Yeah. And it's, it was sexist. Oh, definitely. Like at the beginning, like overtly sexist. <laughs> like at the beginning, his manager's just like, Charlie, I don't know why, but I, we all love you. I don't know why. I just, I right. we can't stay away. We can't manager, stay away yeah. from you, like his female manager. Uh, so, it's it. It was awful. It was obviously <laughs> just such a male fantasy. Like the way every single person in this book thinks of the main character is like the the biggest male fantasy. Well, of that's why author. my my overall comment at the end was that the only character who resonated with me or who I could get behind was actually supposed to be the big bad villain. 
but he was the one who called Charlie out for all his bullshit and for all of his nonsensical crap. I uh, see. I was fine with the the villain character. I pretty much agreed with him until we got the backstory. There's all of these teased tragic backstories yeah. for like the four main characters, and none of them are actually that tragic. I'm going to give some spoilers here because yeah. none of you should waste your time no. reading this book. It's 400 pages it of bullshit. <laughs> so there is the the villain, if you will, yeah. like the foil. Right. His tragic backstory is that uh, Charlie, the main character, did not take, did not like come back into work yeah. from his eleventh overtime shift to then save a person that was trying to go to the afterlife that you later find out is the guy's son. Right. So he just he gets so mad about that that he changes his name. Yeah. To Javroche, the bad guy. Yeah. Because he read too much Les Mis. Read a lot of that. Yeah. I don't know. No, that's not a reason to hold a personal vendetta against someone. No, Charlie, reason to change Charlie name. was not involved at all with the situation. No, at all. I was saying earlier that's like someone being like going to a hospital and being like such and such doctor that's famous that I've heard of has to work <laughs> on my son and getting told, "Oh, he's just come off like a twenty-six hour shift and he's he's already gone home," and him being like. That's it. I hate that doctor for the rest of my life because he's not here to save my son. Yeah. It, it, the author no just length. wrote himself into these corners and then tried to get himself out of them. No, no. A tragic backstory work. is not a corner. He could have gone anywhere with that. Yeah. It was a flashback. There were no limits for the tragic backstory. He literally could have said that, like, Charlie, when he was alive, like, hunted down and murdered his son or something. Yeah. Like, there were so many options. And same thing with Charlie's backstory. Like, there's all this, like, teased thing in the beginning about, oh, he's so tragic right. with his wife that he left in the mortal world. And it turns out, like, Charlie just fucking died like a normal person. Like, nothing tragic about it. Nothing tragic. And you're supposed to feel really bad for him because he's been living for 300 years doing this, what seems to be a very easy job, and getting to be immortal, which seems like a pretty good gig yeah. to me. Like, his arm just, like, grows back when it gets cut off at oh, yeah. one point. Yeah, he's he doesn't totally feel cold. He doesn't feel hunger. Yeah. But you're supposed to feel extreme, extreme sympathy for him. Yes, because like the book only the hardships. works. So. The book only works if you feel sympathy for him. But he has no characteristics at all. None of these characters no. have any sort of characteristics. Alice, you're supposed to feel bad for her because, like, she tries to commit suicide at the beginning. Like, based mostly because she doesn't like to eat her dad's meatloaf and can't get up the courage to tell no, her father. Once again, that. he has never ever met someone who has even thought about being depressed. Like, yeah, the, he basically just lists off like her. Her, she loses her mom to cancer, she gets dumped, and then she now is just in a crippling suicide. I had a, I had a bad romance. And I'm not saying mm. that that can't happen. I don't want this to sound like uh, I don't believe it, in yeah. depression or anything like that. But he does not explain it or give the mm. proper backstory the for it. He literally just like lists off a few bad things that happened to her, and then all of a sudden she just is putting yeah. the gun in her mouth. Okay. So I want I want to get in some <sighs> rants about the end of the book to see what, what you picked up. Thing? Sure. So there's like a best friend who's like British or something. <laughs> and I, I guess it makes a little bit more sense when you get the reveal and the ending. Yeah. But he's supposed to be his best friend. And everything that comes out of his mouth just sounds like he just straight transcribes like a British period novel. <laughs> and like a period romance. Uh, and just just straight transcribed that into this guy's and just like randomly assigned yeah. some of the phrases from these movies yeah, into this. Writing. It is so sloppy. It's There's no character or depth to it at all. It's just like, this dude's British, and that's his only okay. character trait. So that's what I wanted to get into, oh which God. is that, uh, you know, a few years ago, you and I did a big push to read more indie books because we still believed in the power of 
self-publishing back then. I've read some good indie books. Yeah, no, we hit on a few good uh, good ones back then. Uh, if this had been an indie book, maybe I still would have picked it up. I think I would have been a, maybe a little bit less harsh with yeah. my review. But it's really, really appalling that uh, this title made it through the publishing cycle and, and came out uh, like this. Like, you and I were talking about can you imagine looking at the first draft of this book? What did yeah. they have to do to to even get it in this state? In the acknowledgement, he talks about how much like his editor helps and all of this stuff. And I just if this you can tell that it's been edited to within an inch of its life because yeah. it's both casual and forced at the same time, like mm. the writing style. That's well said. Like it's way too casual. Like there's a lot of like parenthetical asides mm. and personal opinions and yeah. like the the point of view is very sloppy of is it um, what are your, like, English lit words? Like, omni yeah. omnipotent or yeah. first person or third person? Like, right. like is it going deep into the character's thoughts? Is it yeah. just doing everyone's thoughts? There's literally chapters where it's, like, Charlie and Alice, and it's just, they yeah. know everything about both of them in inexplicably. Yeah. So it's it's very casual with the writing style to the point that, like you said, it should have almost been a first person. Like, that's, yeah. that's the type of... I wonder if it was, and that's why. Perhaps they that. did a last-second rewrite yeah. or something. But at yeah. the same time, a lot of the sentences and sentence structure is so forced that it just must have been so bad and so, like, you know, third-grade journal entry right. to begin with okay. that they had to force it. So we won't crap on oh it too much, but he does mention the term NaNoWriMo in the acknowledgments as well, and that is one thing that jumped out to me even before I realized that that's what it was, that this reads like a book that someone tried to write in a month just to rush ahead. They had a decent, perhaps, idea to work Premise, off of. Yeah. And they just tried to, like, make it very mechanical. And it just does and not And they work. just did not take more than two seconds to think about what they were going to do. It was like, flashback, oh, uh, his son died. And then moving on. Like, yeah. they did not even try and... Th I don't know how an editor didn't, didn't say, hey, none of your characters... You feel don't feel any sympathy for any of them because your backstories are terrible and you've given them absolutely no yeah. character traits. Wow, this literary power couple is just going at it today. And the ending was about a hundred pages too long. Wow, the ending—I don't even know how to explain it. So, like three quarters the of the way through the book, I was like, "This might could tie tie up or something." Might be able to tie up. Okay. Like so. We've kind of skipped around from the plot because I've just been ranting. But um, basically, eventually, um, the the villain, if you will, mm -hmm. um, catches him doing something he shouldn't have been doing. Or, right. you know, kind of forces him into a, a bad situation, Charlie. Yep. And Charlie goes on the run in the human world with the girl he saved from killing herself. Yep. And the two of them are on the run. And at that point, I was like, okay. Then there's a really awkward forced kiss between the two of them. Yeah. She's really mad at him because he admits that he saved her just to make himself feel better. Yeah. And he talks somehow around that and they end up kissing. Male fantasy once again. Yeah, the action but, scenes were actually fine. Like, if this guy wanted to go write a thriller, I'm sure he could get away with it. That's what I'm saying. It would be better than that yeah. great China Zoo book. Yeah. Um. So, like, yeah. It, while you're in, like, the, the kind of chase scenes, I was like... Yeah. Maybe he can, sure. maybe this is passable. Like, I wasn't actively hating myself as I was reading it. And yeah. then the ending just... Shits the bed. So yeah, so the your, shit cake. your British your British character turns out to be a Greek god? Virgil. Yeah. And there's a trial scene. Uh, it's not Greek, it's Roman. Okay. There's a trial scene where Charlie is put up on the stand to defend his actions. And he, he doesn't because he randomly shoots the girl that he loves? Yeah. What? 
Once again, writing yourself into a corner. Right. I take back the comments about him being able to write action scenes okay, because I had to read that page literally five times. I was like, wait, did he get possessed by a demon and shot her? And it's like, nope. He just turned around and shot her. I thought it's because I was skimming it, and I went back to read it like two no. more times. And it, it just says... That happens a lot in the book. got a little bit scared and shot her. That I thought I was skimming to miss something, and I yeah. went back. I was like, nope. It just was not written well or not explained at all. Yeah. So Charlie is like about to be accused and thrown away to into purgatory for five forever, and then within about three pages from that, he's being promoted to become president of the entire institute. No, first he was offered a seat on this magical council that yeah. is like existed for all time, and it's like the goddess Freya, and like the. Uh, I don't know what the Morgan is, but... But he turns that down because he still doesn't want to be immortal? Is that the issue? He turns that down because he just, he doesn't want to have anything to do with the Ferryman Institute because he doesn't want to be immortal. And then he ends up being the president of the whole Ferryman's Institute. Which they decide at the end, you actually had to be human the whole time. And oh, here's another twist. It was your boss was also the president the whole time? Your boss who you like mistreated and saw you naked and like, so somehow she was the president and And she, she like commits suicide is going to commit suicide in order to have him be the president. Yep. But then she gets shot and doesn't die. Yep. But then somehow still in that process has already turned it over to Charlie so he is mortal. And in the end, Alice becomes a nice housewife, which is what's really only Yes, important. in the epilogue, she's pregnant. So yeah. clearly, Happy like, ending. the most male fantasy thing I could ever imagine. And if you didn't follow what we were just saying, neither did I, and I read it. Okay, The Ferryman Institute by Do Colin not read it. Jiggle. Do not. I'm never even going to talk about it again. Unless Thankfully, I had it on my books. to read list forever, and I was on the verge of buying it on Kindle because it it had like 20 reviews on Amazon, and most of them were decent. Clearly, all of them were family members or bought reviews. And like, uh, I don't. But in I, the end, we got it from the library, so I didn't have to waste any money. As like struggling authors, yeah, I never want to like write a, a review that that's bad like i would never say this in a review where colin jiggles is going to hear this yeah um like i've never put it on amazon yeah. i might give a bad review on amazon not to this extent with this many swears yeah um so i'm definitely sympathetic to new authors giving it a try we have both sure. written books and i'm sure there's Fair. someone out there that would have just as harsh of a rant i just about got a book. new one star review on one of my books there so. you go so it's not that we're uh not sympathetic, but the fact that this got, like you said, this is if this was indie, that'd be one thing. The fact yeah. that this got through it's in circulation so at big layers. libraries, Simon and Schuster, like wow. really. And so my last, I would destroy comment, this so nobody else could read it if I didn't think the library would then buy another copy. And they're get not. Another they're not looking for it. Um, my last bitchy comment is that I got to the end and I said, you know what, I need to find out who this guy's literary agent is because I can certainly convince her to take me on. And it turns out this agent no longer has a job. Yeah, because of this, probably. So, and the, I think the funniest thing about this book what? is that he sets it up for a sequel. Yeah. It's not happening. You can oh, go check his dear. Twitter to see how he's struggling with his next book. It's quite it's quite sad. Oh, dear. I just... He is the least self-aware person yeah. ever. And his book is just... It's just bad. It's only up from here, Colin. Thanks for listening. Oh, Jesus. All right, 20 solid minutes on that. I apologize for that, but I obviously had a lot of feelings, and I could keep going. As I was reading this, I was going, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, bullshit. Oh, are you serious? No, we're coming off of a marathon podcast, so this one's going to be under an hour. Okay. So what are we doing? Are we doing some news? So, 
We'll go into good news, bad news. Okay. You told me I wasn't allowed to talk about Taylor Swift too much, but I have some comments. It's fun. I've you've you've been playing the CD every time I've been around you for the last week, and yet I feel like I haven't heard the same song twice. Does the CD have like thirty-seven songs on it? Fifteen. Okay. So I'm just gonna do a little bit of Taylor Swift um, talking. This I swear I'll keep this just to a couple minutes if you want to skip ahead. So I have some thoughts about Reputation. Yeah. Um, number one thought is. It has succeeded as a pop album, in my opinion, mm. because I cannot stop singing it. It's been stuck in my head. I've been listening to it all week. You're finding it catchy. It's catchy. Hmm. Okay. Um, I still think Fish she. I still think she is very good at making hooks mm-hmm. and melodies that will you know stick in your head mm-hmm. and that are catchy and you can sing along to very quickly. Yeah. Um, I my two main comments of it are that. She acts her age and in a bad way. How old is she? My age. Okay. So she's turning 28 uh-huh. next month. So we were talking about this the other day, but like Sam Smith, mm-hmm. it's like 22, Three, 23. Think, yeah. Like Adele is like 26. Yeah. And Taylor is almost 28. Mm-hmm. And like she's someone that you like think that she's in her 20s. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in a bad way. Right. Like. I think that it's not that it's a bad thing to act to her age, but she just seems like a bit immature compared to other pop stars in her same bracket. Yeah. And I don't, I, I think some people would probably say that's a good thing because yeah. she talks a lot about drinking and having sex and meeting up with people at bars in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And um, she uses a lot of very hip words that I can't imagine she actually uses in real life, but she says like fly and fit and, mm-hmm. um, end game which is like a fandom thing that has been like their end game right like a you usually talk about like tv or like a, sure. t- a book series or something she has a whole song called end game mm-hmm. um so it just feels like she's trying to like prove that she's a millennial in some of the mm-hmm. songs and some of her lyrics just don't work for me this time around i mean yeah. she always has some, some questionable lyrics bits. there's some clumsy bits like there are some really good bits. There's a lot of ones that, um, I forget what they're called, but they're like kind of like a mixed metaphor. Like mm-hmm. the, the ties were black, but the lies were white. Okay. And then the other one I like is, um, we can't make any promises, but you can make me a drink. Oh, so I like some of her, like she, she does still have some like clever turn of, turn of phrase. phrases in there, mm-hmm. but then she has other ones that it's just like, yeah, I prefer like the blank space days where you couldn't, quite tell what she was saying whether it was starbucks or starcrossed i I much prefer that okay um so i think yeah i think she like shows her age a little bit in a bad way trying to like prove that she's a cool millennial and my other takeaway is that she is very self-aware but yet not self-aware at all Mm. and it reminded me of what we're talking about elliot last week in in other lands the book Mm -hmm. one of the characters from the book in that like she seems very self-aware about like her reputation is the name of the album. Self-aware about what people are saying about her, what her image is, right. um, what the media is going to portray things as. Um, and she even started that last time with Blank Space, like you mentioned. Like, yeah. if, if I was actually this type of person, look how ridiculous my life would yeah. be. And she continues that with some of the songs in this album. But in other parts of it, she's so unself-aware. Yeah. Like, she just... Like, she assumes that everyone knows the news about her, otherwise her new album isn't going to make any sense. So she's like, don't believe the news, but... Did you hear the news that they said about me? Yeah. Because this is my response to it. And, like, yeah. I understand that she doesn't want to, like, change her songs for other people. Like, she should keep writing how she wants to write. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's not really, like, the new Taylor. Like, yeah. a lot of it is 
similar to her old self in terms of the things she's saying. Like, don't blame me. It's not my fault. Like, I think my favorite song is called Don't Blame Me. And I like the sound of it. But I don't love, like, the message of, like, Mm -hmm. it's not my fault. I was in love. I'm the victim again. So this is your good news? Or what is this? This is just your Taylor Minute? This is just my Taylor Minute. My Taylor four minutes so i will stop talking with taylor swift for the next however long i promise okay i'm done so main takeaway is i like it i think the songs are fun i'm gonna keep listening to it mm-hmm. but i don't know was it worth buying twice is the question <laughs> yes okay. and i'll still get tickets to her concert okay. and i'm still gonna enjoy it but she's definitely like a problematic fave as we talked what, about what before. instruments is she gonna bring on this tour there's no backup dancers there's no instruments on this album I don't know. It'll still be a great tour. She puts on a good concert. I would still like to go to it. Um, But, yeah. Okay. I've been talking for a lot. Do you want to do your newses? I got kind of like rapid fire good and bad newses this week because I got a lot. So you hit me with yours first. Yeah, I have baby ones really. So Um, so I watched two two food movies this week without you. Because I'm still okay. kind of into that genre a little bit. I think I've kind of reached the peak and I'm, I'm done with it for a okay. while now. I watched Food, Inc., which is one from a while ago. Uh, and then I watched What the Health, which I guess all the kids are talking yes, about. Yes, I just actually heard on about Netflix. that one recently. Well, it ties into my actual good news, which is that um, there's a story on Bleacher Report that we'll link to. But apparently all these NBA players are totally changing their diet as their like primary method of... Uh, improving their, like, their strength and their endurance. Yeah. And a lot of them are going vegetarian. Okay. And it seems to be working. Like, Kyrie Irving is the new Celtics superstar, and the Celtics have taken off even after that terrible injury from that first game. Ew, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's attributing all of his success and all of his, like, energy in the fourth so quarter to diet. this plant-based diet. Um, and he specifically mentions this uh, this documentary and how... All people around the league are like, hey, dude, did you watch that on Netflix yet? You've got to stop eating that meat and shit. And I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. And there was a story last year about how all NBA players love to eat peanut butter and jelly as their, like, pregame food. Yeah. So I'm always, like, really intrigued by those types of stories. And I just find it nice that players are doing those types of things. And we're not talking about steroids or, like, illegal means of trying to juice their bodies yeah. up. Like, it's... Peanut butter and jelly is like the perfect snack. Yeah. It's sugar and carbs and protein. A girl that I used to work with, whenever someone brought in tiramisu, she would always say how tiramisu originated as a snack for prostitutes in France because it had alcohol, carbs, and sugar. Okay. So it's just a new version of that. Okay. Um, So so Food Inc. was pretty good. Um, It got inside... Like some of the slaughterhouses and some of the chicken coops, which is always very dramatic footage. Mm. Um, my th- biggest takeaway from all these movies is just like how underappreciated farmers are. I still just can't even fathom it. Like in my weird brain, I would think that farmers should be like one of the most highly paid and highly, you know, highest reputation like next to teachers. employers. Yeah, those are the two that I was going to lump together was yeah. that if I was going to pay someone money to keep our civilization going, it would be one, the people growing the food, and two, the people teaching the next humans. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I just can't believe that these people, you know, are clinging to their land and, and basically in poverty just so the rest of us can eat stuff. 
Um, so What the Health was a very strange movie, though. The narrator, and he's also the, the director and the producer, and actually it's produced by Joaquin Phoenix, though, as well. A very outspoken vegan. Uh, but the director does not have a great screen presence, and his over, um, his voiceovers are very strange. Yeah. But he... Um, if you're already vegetarian or vegan, you're probably going to love the movie and say this is more ammunition for my arguments. If you're not, there's plenty of holes to poke in it and just a lot of ridiculous stuff that's discussed that will probably turn you off. So he is convinced within the first 10 minutes of the movie that um, processed meats, specifically hot dogs and some red meat, will cause you cancer, diabetes, and heart disease. At the same time? Probably. Okay. And so there is obviously there are obviously some studies that back that up to a certain degree, but he flashes up percentage numbers which are always Bullshit. always have to be relative. So the one that I did a little bit of reading up afterwards is that he says that eating processed meats increases your risk of cancer by fifty percent. It's just as bad as cigarettes, and he actually has footage of someone putting cigarettes in a pan as if they were. Uh, sausage and eggs or something. Okay. And and you look into the statistic, and it's specifically to colon cancer, and colon cancer risk right now is about 1%, I think, in Americans, and so it goes up to 1.5%. Okay. So, yes, that's a 50% increase. Yeah. Um, and but you, he, can, you can always make statistics tell the story sure. you want. That's, right. Yeah. So he's very, very guilty of that. And then he falls into the the documentary trope of calling organizations and demanding answers from random poor, you know, support line representatives. Please be nice to your call center uh, employees. So he calls the Su Susan, what is it, Susan Komen, which that organization obviously has issues, but yeah. he calls them and says, why don't you have pictures of processed meats on your front page? I'm looking at your website right now and there's nothing about meat. And the person's like, what are you talking yeah. about? And then he calls up the American Diabetes Association and is like, you're telling people to eat bacon-wrapped shrimp on your website. And they're like, what do you mean? And he's like, I clicked on recipes and there was one for bacon-wrapped shrimp. And they're like, okay. And he's like, how can you be doing this? This is just as bad as cigarettes. And so there are a lot of ridiculous moments like that. He did have one, the only in-person televised interview he got was with like the chief medical director of the Diabetes Association. Okay. And this guy was super sketch. He would not talk to him about diet at all. He talked to him all about how diabetes was a terrible trend and it needed to be fixed and there were drugs out there to fix it. And when the, um, the director said, you know, what kind of diet do you recommend? The guy would say, any kind of diet. Any kind of diet is good as long as it's followed. And he was like, do you recommend eating processed meats or not? And he was like, it doesn't matter. Any, anything. We don't prescribe a diet f to help with diabetes. That's probably because it gets paid by the, like, junk food companies. So that's the last third of the movie is that he goes into full conspiracy mode and he throws up logos on the screen one after another. American Diabetes gets money from Kraft, Nabisco. So it's a bad PowerPoint presentation at a business meeting. Yeah. So yeah, that was my, Fine, I'm that sorry was my weekend that. viewing. Did you have any other newses? Um, bad news, I have another little story to talk about. Are we going to talk about Al Franken at all? Is he on your list? I wrote for my bad news, Al Franken, no! Yeah. That was what I wrote. That's fine. But as we discussed last week, just because you agree with their political opinions or because you you think you like who they are that yeah. you see on the media, 
doesn't mean you shouldn't believe people. You can't selectively believe abuse no. victims. No. So um, I believe it. I'm just I like to think he was one of the good ones in terms of politicians, and obviously. But he was a comedian for a long time, so there was plenty of things to uncover. Fair I'm enough. Sure. Fair enough. Uh, so the other item I wanted to talk about harkens back to something I've brought up before, which is that Gizmodo has published an article getting into who the hell these Amazon delivery drivers are who okay. are pulling up to your road, because obviously people have caught on to that. They're not being shipped by UPS, FedEx, or postal post office anymore. Yeah. So it's a service called uh, Amazon Flex, and basically it's like Uber for deliveries. So it literally is just a service that pretty much they found out anyone can sign up for as long as you have a name and can pass some sort of background check. Uh, you actually don't even need a driver's license. They will let you become a delivery person if you have access to a bike or public transportation. So these people basically use an app to, uh, they have to log in very quickly in the morning and pick what availability they have, and then they get assigned like a route of linked packages that should all be delivered in a certain sequence. They go and wait at the warehouse, pick up their packages, and send them off. Honestly, it doesn't bother me, but you can keep ranting about it. It doesn't bother you at all. I've been home when a lot of our deliveries have come. Yeah. And everyone's been very nice. That's a small sample size. You're a scientist. You should be looking at the bigger picture. Okay, then sh shoot me the percentages of how many people have not gotten packages and how many packages have gotten stolen and how many well, there false were, identities. Yeah, there, were, like, what's... there were horror stories in the, the article about... But there's horror stories about the Postal Service and the UPS. You wouldn't feel better about having someone in an official uniform with an official badge delivering your package? You don't really? care. I don't. I don't think that having a badge, as we've just talked about with politicians and sexual abuse and whatever, yeah. I don't think having a badge and having a name and having an identity protects you from being an abuser or being a bad person. So the people that have come to drop off the stuff that mm. we have ordered, even like some nicer stuff, not yeah. just like vitamins in a in a little package, um, have all been very professional. They've mm. had to take photos, have me sign it. You and, saw them do that. Yep. Oh. So um, they have to take photos of it in the house, have me sign it, and send that photo immediately, and text their like boss or whoever right. to say that it's been delivered with a photo right. at the so correct time. So they have time. to do all those things just in order to have a job the next day. And I'm not saying you can't fake that, because mm. I didn't have to be in it with my holding up my license right. or anything like that. But they were all very professional and took it very seriously. Right. And for the most part... Like, when we had windows, it came within or close to the window. Yeah. Okay, so you're fine with kind of the customer side of it, but most of the article actually dealt with, like, the plate of these actual drivers. Okay. Because, like, Uber drivers, they're, you know, desperate for work and probably just barely cutting it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's usually can only be a supplemental income. It's really hard to do that full time. So they talked about how these people, you know, are desperate for work. They have to install these illegal apps to, like, click screens for them so that they can click faster than other people. And the biggest issue is that Amazon is essentially using them as employees, but they pay them as private contractors, so they get zero benefits and zero guarantees. Okay, see, that I have a problem with. Yeah. In terms of people complaining about it not being, like, a certified person with an Amazon fucking yeah. hat on that comes to their door, I don't, right. that doesn't bother me, because... Uh, I don't know. Yeah. But in terms of the 
the the item getting to you. But yeah, what I'm getting at is that obviously there is an advantage for the employees of FedEx and UPS to continue to have that work as opposed to yes, outsourcing it to a we've had army of unknowns. A lot of perks from our one family friend who works at FedEx. It's true. A couple of family friends that work there. So yeah. Um, but yeah, so I do agree that that's a problem on the. Uh, employee and of them getting fair compensation and what it's yeah. maybe doing to the market. Right. So, you know, they offer up these conveniences, but then in order to keep them operational, cuts have to be made in Is certain Is Amazon ways. the only one doing that or are other stores doing it? As far as I know, they're the only one... Uh, running their own kind of delivery service, and the the rumor is is that they're going to launch that separately. So then they'll de- deliver other companies' packages as well. Brilliant. Hmm. So are you just not going to order anything off Amazon? Because it feels like every other day we've got something from Amazon in our packages. I was going to so. make some sort of attempt at an oath, but I knew you would throw something like that in my face. So <laughs> okay. I will cede the floor to you. Okay. Um, I have a couple bad newses. Um, in no particular ranking of severity. We've already talked about Al Franken. Um, Darren Chris cut his hair really short. For this new show or after, after the that? new show, from what I understand. I heard he has blood all over his face, just constantly in the show. I was going to put that in upcoming, but I may actually have to watch American Crime Story just to see his acting as like a, in a serious role. Yeah, it's not American Horror Story. I think you'll be okay. Yeah, but I don't like any true crime stuff. I'm always whining about how I'm, like, over Yeah, but these it. are, like, celebrity crimes. They're different. And they're, like, fictionalized. we got to go back and watch the O.J. Simpson one. Oh, no more of that. that I had you like sit through the 10-hour documentary on oh, that one. Oh, God. It was so good. No. Um, have you heard about the new country song, Take a Knee, My Ass, parentheses, I Won't Kneel? Uh, saw the headline. Yeah, didn't click it. Ridiculous. It's going to be my new name for this podcast, saw the headline, didn't click it. Yeah, we'll sell bumper stickers that say that. Um, so which side is it on? Again, I can't keep track of by not watching the NFL take, who I'm supporting. Take me, calm on my ass, I won't kneel. So it's against anyone who kneels during the anthem. Right. Um, on a related note, I'm going to yeah. like go back and forth a little bit That's here. Fine. I'm going to break some, I'm breaking a lot of rules today. Yeah. Um, good news, mm-hmm. GQ. I was going to bring this up. Cap. Colin Kaepernick. Interesting. Man of the year. And, uh, citizen and his, of, Excuse me. Citizen of the year. There you go. And his story has no quotes, no text from him at all. Really? It's only pictures. He decided that he still wanted to remain silent, but he would accept it. And so they photographed him in a few different settings, but there's no, no actual Did discussion Did you read the article? Him. Most of it, yeah. Do they talk about like his philanthropical stuff in it all because a lot of the uh, sure. arguments I hear from the other side are you not do anything by kneeling why isn't JJ Watts because he donated to Houston right. flood recovery or whatever mm-hmm. um, but I don't think people understand that Colin Kaepernick kneeling before a game has nothing to do with his personal life and his charity and what he contributes to in his yeah. like he doesn't sit there saying I'm not going to do anything but kneel yeah. from my understanding he has done a lot for a lot mm. of struggling communities so I find it very frustrating when people try and flip it around and say well why does he do something for his community sure I just think it's genius of him keeping this kind of public silence because so many people are talking about him constantly. Yeah. And I think by staying silent, it's keeping it in the discussion more than... anything he says is going to be yeah. misconstrued because yeah. nobody's going to ever agree with him. No. He could literally come out and say, like, 
I believe in God, and then some of the people that were with his uh, things. So is he saying God doesn't support the troops then? Right. So, like, literally anything he says is going to be flipped around by either side. So so smart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that was good news. Mm -hmm. Um, Back to bad news. Trophy hunting in Africa. Yeah, what happened? Elephants. Specifically elephants, but it also loosened restrictions on some other... um, uh, trophy, animal trophies, mm-hmm. aka like parts of animals that you got on a, some sort of hunt. Yeah. Um, it has actually supposedly been kind of overturned or reversed already, or not. It, it hadn't even started yet. It was meant to be put through, and people protested so much that they were like, okay, well, maybe not put this through yet. So, what country are we talking about? Are importing into the US. Oh. Right now, you're not allowed to import endangered animal-like specimens into the U.S. And specifically that uh, Trump wanted to reverse that for elephants and also for some other animals. So this is actually an importing law, not like a poaching or a hunting law. Correct. But obviously, Hmm. if you're allowed to import it legally, then that's the market for the poachers. Um, And everyone's been showing it in connection to a Donald Trump Jr. photo of him Mm. with a dead elephant and Mm. he's holding an elephant tail Mm. after a hunt, which I'm sure he smuggled into the U.S. anyway. Um, I just don't understand how someone could look at an elephant and go, yep, I'm going to kill that. Mm. I feel bad killing like a bug in our house and I don't understand how anyone could ever want to kill an animal. Mm -hmm. And especially if you know anything about extinction, how could you want to contribute to that? How could you just ignore that to go out and kill one of these animals? Like, so both just, like, on a personal standpoint, how could you want to kill an animal? Like, how does that give you happiness to kill an animal? And from, like, a world standpoint, are you so selfish that you, your two seconds of adrenaline of shooting an elephant and getting a photo with a dead elephant is worth more than, like, the continuation of a species? Yeah. Like, we had a little girl at the zoo the other day that was crying because her parents told her what extinction meant. Mm. And then you have these other assholes who are out there like, I know what I'm going to do with all my ridiculous money. I'm going to go shoot a fucking elephant just because I can. I have two points. Number one, do what we did, which is buy a very large Beauty and the Beast beast mask and mount it on your wall as if it was your... (laughs) As if we are Gaston's wet dream. Yes. Um, I use antlers in all of my decorations. Exactly. Uh, and point number two, getting back, I forgot to mention this earlier, talking about my food docs. They brought up this point in the What the Health movie, which sounds idiotic, but made me actually go, huh. Which is that a lot of the strongest animals in the world, like in terms of gorillas, elephants, hippos. cows, hippos, are, I don't know if hippos are, they're, they eat a plant-based diet. Hippos are. So what does that, like, logic would follow that eating like that is not going to make you weak and tiny and shriveled. It seems too obvious to make sense. I think that's ignoring a lot. So gorillas, maybe, because they are a very close right. relative to us DNA-wise. Yeah. Elephants and hippos and mm-hmm. rhinos and whatever. Yeah. They have very different digestive systems sure. to us. If we talked about this the other day when you learned what chewing your cud meant. I don't want to talk about that. So a lot of, I, I don't know specifically about hippos and elephants, but a lot of um, ruminants, as they call them, like hooved animals, have four a four-chambered stomach. And they have to, like, 
regurgitate and rechew their food a whole oh, bunch okay. of times in order to okay. get all the nutrients. So like they have a very different digestive system in terms of like yeah. what they can absorb from their food. So I think okay. that's a bit of a that's a bit of a stretch. So stick of with an the argument. gorilla the gorilla facet of it. Yeah. So can I just go out and start grazing? Will I be okay? I doubt it. <laughs> and I'd not recommend it because it's winter time. You picked a real bad time to dry <laughs> this. Uh, right. So I would not recommend it. Okay. I would also mention, uh, point out that all of those animals that you talked about yeah. live in a very different environment from where we live as well. You have a gorilla at your zoo down the street. Fact gets fiction. fed special diets. Oh, God. Um, We're all in a zoo. <laughs> we bought a zoo. Um, my other bad news yeah. also segues into a good news. Did you see anything with the Justice League, um, the Amazons in the Justice League? Justice League? Like the Wonder War, Jesus, Wonder Woman's like sisters. Okay. Oh, the Amazonian Zonians. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So there was a side by side. So they deliver packages too. Maybe there was a side by side. Yeah. Of the outfits, their um, costumes mm-hmm. in Wonder Woman, which was Between directed a female director and a male director. Yeah, you see where I'm oh, going with this. There you go. It was rough. Yeah. Um, they were quite praised in camel toe, or what are we talking about? Just midriffs, okay. cleavage, yeah. real short skirts. Like, there was a lot of praise from Wonder Woman for having them be, like, practical right. um, armor and stuff that was based on historical mm-hmm. armor. Um, this, someone did not get that memo yeah. in Justice League. <coughs> Zack Snyder. Because... I thought he didn't direct any of these movies. What, whoever directed it. Away. Whoever directed it. Back. I'll take it back. Whoever directed it. Uh... They are in, like, the skimpiest, tiniest, most impractical outfits. Yeah, it's summer there now. No, it's bad. And supposedly Wonder Woman's story, I have zero intentions of seeing Justice League, but mm-hmm. supposedly her story makes no sense at all. That somehow she's the one that has no hope because she's been depressed for 100 years about Steve Trevor or something. I don't know. Uh... Um, that segues into a good news, though. Okay. Because Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman yep. herself, she came out saying that she would not work on the next Wonder Woman film if Brett Radner, right. who has been accused of sexual assault, was involved with the project at all. Yep. And she has not signed a contract yet because they were so worried about the first movie about mm, a female-directed, female star in. movie that neither her nor the director were locked in. So the director was able to negotiate for a right. lot more money. Just This was like old news. But yeah. Gal Gadot has said she won't sign the contract unless they get some they get this specific guy off yeah. of the project. Gotcha. So because they didn't lock her in, because yeah. they were so scared taking a chance on a woman, even though they like I'm sure they locked in Ben Affleck as Batman for how many ever movies. <clears throat> um so she now has all this negotiating power. So it's like suck it, Hollywood. This is what happens. There's gonna be like another gap like there was when during the writer's strike when there was no new tv for like six months there's gonna be like a gap of no new movies because you'll remember it as like the sexual assault period that men facing consequences period yeah you'll be like everything was put on hold for six months there's no movies to put out yeah i just it's so funny when people say oh this is the most dangerous time to be a man you have to watch what you say you have to be so worried about everything it's like how about all the other centuries where it's been difficult to be a woman yeah and we've had to watch what we say i'm fine with it anyways so bad news into good news. Um, another little sportsy good news. Jose Altuve. Still short or did he get a league MVP? growth spurt? 
Oh, good. He got MVP. Nice. So that was like the one thing I cared about in the World Series. He's very small and adorable. Yeah, but we won't compare him to Dustin Pedroia. Dustin Pedroia is still superior, but okay. I would like them both to be best friends. And have a hype contest. I would like them to have like The Hobbit, like like a movie starring the two of them. That might be the Amazon series that we're talking about. I'd watch that. Okay. I'd watch that. Um, Listen up, Bezos. Joe Biden. Still alive? Shared his favorites of the Obama memes with him and oh the two of them. God. It was really cute. So he had a couple favorites and he's uh, actually seen them and thought they were funny. Remember when politicians could be good on the internet? <sighs> remember when politicians could be good? Full stop. Oof. Um, Oof. And my real good news, I should have started this podcast with it, but I got distracted by that terrible book. Yeah. Australia voted yes. Woo! So for anyone who hasn't been following um, Australian, I don't know if we've talked about this in the podcast extensively, but um, Australian politicians were being very cowardly and were <laughs> refusing to make a decision either way on marriage equality because they somehow still don't have marriage equality in Australia, despite being more progressive than the U.S. in some other ways. And um, they decided that the best way to do it was to spend millions of dollars on an old school plebiscite, plebiscite, how do you say it? No idea. A postal vote, literally like straight up democracy every single citizen gets mm -hmm. a vote uh they ended up so with, they couldn't get yelled at for making the correct decision. so that they could just say oh just what the people wanted um 79 voted mm. which is crazy because yeah. less than half of the u.s voted in the presidential election mm. so 79 percent of people voted and 61 percent of the whole country yeah. voted yes to marriage equality so it is not binding parliament mm. still has to then do something with that information but the people are leading Get the people are rioting. There you go. Um, so that was really, really good news because there was a lot of nasty stuff, like smear campaigns um, mm -hmm. from specifically from the no side that were really damaging and harmful to a lot of my LGBT, etc. Crew. Um, crew. My crew. So I was very happy to hear that. And I hope that uh, supposedly they want to push the vote through before Christmas. So it could cool. be very soon. So I was very, very happy Wedding about that Wedding bells are week. ringing. Yeah. Plane tickets might be a buy-in. We'll see. Okay. Um, it's not going to be less than an hour. Is that the end of our show? Did we make it? No. We didn't even do the good news, bad news theme song. <laughs> we don't have time to go back. <laughs> we don't have any time for sponsors either? No. Okay. Um, did you see that Booktage just got 280 characters on Twitter? Uh, did everyone get it? No. Oh, are we like verified or something? No. Just random. Okay. Um, How do you spell that? B-O-O-K-D-I-G-I-T-S -I -I dot com. Oh, that's it. So, we're still going to talk about a movie as well. I know we got off track this episode. We, you want to tell them what we're talking about? Do I, you even know? I just remembered it, yeah. Okay. Spirited Away. So we are talking about Spirited Away from Studio Ghibli. Which I didn't, did not know existed until two weeks ago. Yes, so I had seen that Spirited Away was coming back to theaters for a couple, like, Limited nights. Limited release. Limited release. And I had seen it, like, just last year just like on my computer screen um, and I really liked it I did not know what to expect it's very strange but I was really charmed by it and I um, enjoyed it a lot but this is a classic movie like a cult classic yeah it's not a new movie no no, no it's from like 20 years ago me. yeah yeah so 10 years ago 20 years ago it's old yeah. um, and I loved it so I wanted to force you to see it when I saw it was coming back to theaters yeah. Um, so you said, well, it's Game 7 of the World Series, so let's go to the I movies. I didn't know it was Game 7 when I when I said that we could do it. With the DVR And I did not all. choose the special event nights. Right. Um, so that was really the studio's fault. Don't blame me okay. for that. So 
Do you want to give a synopsis? A synopsis? Yeah. Okay, it takes place in Japan. Mm-hmm. So there's a family, mm-hmm. a young, youngish family. Very strange father, somewhat overweight. Yeah. Typical annoying mother. And the rather annoying child at the beginning in the back. Mm-hmm. A f- girl named... Chiro. Sure. Uh, so they are moving to a new place. Dad's mm-hmm. got a new job. They move. They're in a real rush to get there before the moving company gets there. But they get a little sidetracked. They try to take a little detour. And they end up kind of coming up against this bridge slash building thing. And they get out of the car. They go in and they find like an abandoned amusement park. They end up getting separated because the parents are in desperate need for calories. And they start gorging on this food despite not paying for it. The little girl kind of wanders off, and when she comes back minutes later, her parents are pigs, meaning like actual hogs. Yes. And from there, we enter kind of the fantasy, spiritual world. And so it turns out this whole sort of area is, is it like a resort for spirits? Is that the point? Yeah, it's like a spa. Right. And so she is human, which is not really allowed, but she meets up with Mr. What's his name? Um, the dragon guy, Haku. Haku. Voiced by, I couldn't figure it out all movie <laughs> long, it's same voice as Max from the Goofy movie. Yes, and wasn't it another movie as well? Mm. Oh, um, Ab- wasn't it Avatar, The Last Airbender? That's what I told you it sounded like. I don't think I was right. Hmm. Um, so a very familiar voice actor. Yeah. So he kind of helps her sneak around the building, and she basically has to work herself up. So she gets a job in the very basement, kind of like the furnace room, with this guy with eight arms or something. Uh, She makes some friends down there. She ends up getting a job on a cleaning crew. It was Hocus Pocus. He was the cat in Hocus Pocus. He was the cat in Hocus Pocus. Continue. So she runs into this really weird spirit. What's his name? The one with no face? No face. Um, Who seems to really like her, but also seems to be eating some other people within the building. (laughs) So there's a little bit of a conflict there. She gets all the way up to the top of the building, which is run by this old hag named... Uh, Mama... Something? Oh, now I'm going to forget. I was doing good with names so far. Um, you got to get this IMDb IMDb page out. Sorry. So she's the one that she has to beg for a job. She doesn't really want to have humans there. She has this really weird, creepy baby thing there and some talking heads. Okay, as you can see, it's a very... Baba. Yeah. It's a very strange movie. Um, and we watched the dub version, thankfully, so the voices lined up pretty well. I originally watched the sub version, okay. per usual. But basically, so the whole story is about this girl trying to make it in this you know, bizarre spirit world while also trying to rescue her parents who are now in a pig pen. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That's my synopsis. Yeah, that's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Um, You still have the same look on your face as we did when we left the theaters, which is like, I've seen some shit. Like, you look a little bit traumatized Mm -hmm. from it. Like, you'll never be the same. Do you want to give some of your impressions of it? Um, it was... It was creative, for, for sure. Coming out of it, I still didn't realize how, what time period it was from, so I considered it kind of unique and original even by modern day standards, so I guess that's a good thing. It is 16 years old. It's from 2001. Hmm. 
so so yeah, the characters were were so extreme that it was a little unnerving at times. Yeah, Yubaba is the one that freaked me out. Everybody yeah, else, I was fine with. Visually, she, yeah, yeah, she scared me. Um, so yeah, watching it as a child, I think I could have been legitimately scarred. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's certainly a very interesting creative work of art. I was most impressed by like the journey of it mm-hmm. because the girl is really annoying in the beginning. She won't yeah. stop complaining and moping and whining and she's yeah. holding her mom's hand. She's crying. And, um, and I just am impressed by how much she, how, like her dedication to, yeah. to getting, her parents back and chance of like saving the whole place like saving everything just by being smart and like persevering Mm -hmm. and um her relationship with haku is a little bit strange because like is it a romantic relationship even though she's he's like i've known you forever he's like like, a dragon spirit that he was a river all along yeah yeah, a river spirit that like saved her life when she was younger Mm -hmm. um but it was kind of cool there was like a connection between the two of them but i just liked how hard she tried like as a as a child, I think I would have, like, really wanted to be like her. Like, she reminds mm-hmm. me of some characters that I liked from, like, books and TV shows. Sure. Like, Lyra from The Golden Compass. Yeah. And, um, you know, some of the characters from Tortal. And mm-hmm. um, just, like, really doesn't give up. Like Right. She sits and cries a little bit at the beginning when she's on all, all on her own. But then she really pulls herself up by the boots. And, like, that's stuff that nobody else would do to save people. Yeah. Like, goes the extra mile, mm-hmm. literally. Um, to save her friends and her, her parents. Um, and I just, like you said, it was very different, mm-hmm. um, which I think is why people like Studio Ghibli. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't look like every single other Disney movie. Like, you, did you know what was going to happen? No, definitely not. Like, it's it's not like you're guessing. It's not like it's the normal tropes and stuff. No. It is very different. But I just found it really whimsical at the same time that it was freaky. Yeah. And I just was really charmed by it. Like, it just had some sort of spirit there you go um some sort of like spirit to it that i really enjoyed and i didn't expect to enjoy it it was like one day i was i think i was homesick and i was just like oh people always tell me to watch this movie Mm -hmm. i'll watch it and i was really surprised by like how much i was taken by it Mm. um didn't i watched kiki's delivery service which is another studio ghibli one i didn't like it as much Mm. um but there are some other ones i know like my neighbor totoro and um house moving castle and there's a few other ones and they're gonna do frozen too i heard (laughs) yeah no um so yeah, if you haven't seen it, if you have no idea what Studio Ghibli is, just like mm-hmm. you over there, yeah, um, I'd recommend it. It's my favorite of the ones I've seen, and um, I really like it. We better get some major hits in Japan after the last couple weeks. You think so? Hello, can you hear us over there? Konnichiwa. Yeah, that's all I got. Um, Arigato. Sushi. Arigato. There you go. Mm-hmm. So sashimi. I'll do some real quick upcoming. Yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing to look forward to. Give me something. Um, most of mine are not not looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I am looking forward to. We've talked about this movie just recently. Big Hero Six. Yeah, it's gonna be a TV series, I guess. Okay. Which I'm into because that movie was speaking of Japan. There you go. Wasn't he Japanese? Well, it took place in like some Japan San Francisco crossover. Yeah. 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 Um, so that movie was really cute and made me cry a lot. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be some sort of TV series okay. of that. Um, things I'm not looking forward to pretty much the rest of these. I'm questionably potentially looking forward to A Wrinkle in Time. I don't, I'm definitely going to see it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about it. 
You read them as a child? Read them as a child, loved them as a child. They combined like fantasy and science in a way that was like really good for me at the age that I read them. Went mm-hmm. back and reread them a few years ago and was not impressed. Yeah. Um, yeah, just very strange and a lot of weird religious overtones that I did right. not catch as a child, weirdly mashed up with the science, which usually like I'm into. Like science mm-hmm. and religion do not need to be mutually ex- exclusive, mm-hmm. but it did not work for me, these books. Yeah, I had them read to me as a child and. Go figure, but I actually don't remember anything from them, just like every other book I've ever read. Yeah, well, maybe I'll make you see the movie with me, but we'll see. Um, Handmaid's Tale is having a second season. We have to watch the first season. We have to watch that still. Supposedly they didn't quite catch up to where the book is in in the end of the first TV series. Okay. So I'm interested to see where they go with the second series and if Margaret Atwood actually had anything to say with Mm -hmm. what direction they take with it. Um, did you ever play the game Rampage? Yes. There's a movie coming out about it that looks really bad and it's got The Rock in it. It looks like every other movie when he's in a helicopter. in the Jumanji sequel? Is that, is it in his, is it like there a rider in his contract that says he has to have a dramatic helicopter scene in every action movie he's in? Yeah. So it's basically like some sort of genetic, um terrorism and they mm. turn a monkey a wolf and a crocodile into like these massive like evil monsters just like in the rampage game they were eating plant-based diets <laughs> maybe <laughs> um but it looks it does not look good okay the game was really fun to play yeah but it was fun to play because it was from the perspective of the monsters right this is from the perspective of Dwayne the rock johnson mm. and he's like best friends with the monkey and teaches uh sorry the gorilla which is a primate not a monkey and teaches it sign language, but then turns evil. But so it's a like very King Kong-y kind of thing. Like he's not that evil, or like um, Big Joe. What was that movie? Mighty Joe Young. Mighty Joe Young, mm-hmm. kind of like that. Um, but then there's a crocodile. I don't it's know. Okay, it's okay. Bizarre. You're welcome. Um, two that I'm definitely not looking forward to. Game Night. Have you seen the trailer for that? No, is that a movie about people playing Dungeons and Dragons? It is a, like, adult game night gone awry. Like, okay. they're just meant... Horror movie, kind of? Kind of. It's got, um, what's-his-face from Friday Night Lights, um, Coach Taylor. Yeah. Early edition. Yeah. He is in it, and he's like, all right, we're going to have a special kind of game night tonight. We're going to mix it up. We're going to have, like, a murder mystery kind of thing. Like, in a little while, one of you is going to be taken, and everyone else has to figure it out. Except then he gets taken, and then he's like, it's not really a game. And everyone's like, yeah, good acting, good acting. But it's like, is it a game? Is it not? Real like weird. every single TV show ever has done that kind of plot, where people go to a dinner yes. mystery Yes. It gets dinner. pretty dark. Rachel McAdams is in it. Okay. And Landry from Friday Night Lights is in it. A little reunion. Yeah. Look, not good. Okay. Um, and the other one that I'm really, really not looking Almost forward smashed. to, like, might not even see, don't really want to see, Fantastic Beast: The Crimes of Grindelwald. He's the gay wizard? Yeah. Johnny Depp, who people are very Ugh. upset about still, um, because he, speaking of all abuse scandals and everything, sure. he had one of the ones before all of this, before it was uh, hip. <laughs> um and yet still got cast in this big movie franchise that's supposed to be like a family-friendly movie franchise. Sure. Um, but the title is Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Uh-huh. Worst movie title of all time. Yeah. Just terrible. And I'm not interested in it. We've talked about this before, so I won't do my rants again. 
don't care about Grindelwald, don't really give a shit about his and Dumbledore's <sighs> confrontation. If there was anything else that I wanted to learn about like the characters in the Harry Potter universe, it would not be this story. Would it be the a Marauders prequel? Wow, how could you ever guess? Almost like I mention it every time. Didn't Miss Rowling say it was going to end at seven books and that was going to be it? Why couldn't she have yeah. stuck to those guns? I don't know. Wish we could go back in time. That's what you would fix <laughs> to go back in time. Yes. That would not be the top of my list. Um, but I, I didn't really like the first movie. Did you even see it yet? Not yet, I've no. seen it twice. And um, I don't really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not looking forward to the next one. Okay. So we almost kept it under an hour. Um, we will be taking next week off for American Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving if you do celebrate. Get all your fan mail in. We'll, we'll get ready to answer all your questions. We'll be back in a couple weeks. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at DDGetDown. Mm-hmm. Or check out my Twitter at Heather324. Or my Twitter at Bedford Falls. <laughs> so George Bailey. We went way off uh, course on this on this podcast. We didn't follow any of our normal rules. Mm. But we'll be back with our normal segments in a couple weeks. Yeah. And until then, thanks for listening. Godspeed. Bye. <laughs>